Well, welcome. And deep gratitude to Patrick, to Jean, to GD, to the Sangha, the generosity and su support I experienced during Transmission Week was truly heart opening. Heart opening and humbling. So I wanted to talk about I wanted to talk about what is Dharma transmission. And um, it's not a level of attainment. There is no attainment. It is really doing the best you can in the moment. So Dharma transmission is about relationship. It's about enactment and following a thread. It's one body, one mind, and the Sangha flowing together. William Stafford wrote a poem. It's called The Way It Is. And I, I've shared this already with some people uh, in the room today, but it had a lot of meaning during Dharma Transmission Week for me, so I'm going to read it. The Way It Is by William Stafford. There's a thread you follow. It goes among things that change, but it doesn't change. People wonder about what you're pursuing. You have to explain about the thread, but it's hard for others to see. While you hold it, you can't get lost. Tragedies happen, people get hurt or die, and you suffer and you get old. Nothing you do can stop time unfolding. You don't ever let go of the thread. So that was my week uh, during Dharma transmission. Dharma transmission is an enactment of a very ancient ceremony. It was a seven-day ceremony, mostly private between Patrick and I, preceded by many, many years of practice together. Practice with Patrick and I uh, goes way back 30 years or so. And the ceremony is a container. Uh, it holds knowing, not knowing, and, and aspects of the unknowable. So, but it creates a container for all of that and entanglements and karma. It's about meeting the moment. What is known? What is unknown? And what is unknowable? And how do we meet the moment? Dharma transmission is a dynamic process rather than an event. It wasn't just a seven-day event. It's both a relationship to and an ongoing building of a relationship. It's a dynamic dance with stories, turning and being turned holding the paradox of knowing, not knowing, 
and the unknowable. It's the relationship to Buddha, Dharma, Sangha, healing and nurturing relationships on many levels, the self, the body, the mind, the family, the friends, the workplace, colleagues, community, the natural world. There's a relationship to time and place beyond time and place. It's a non-linear time. Blurring of lines between past, present, and future, including what we know, what we don't know, and what's unknowable. Recognizing and honoring our interconnectedness with all living beings, not just human beings. It's a relationship to the path, an ongoing healing and nurturing connection. Right relationship is not one of the spokes of the Noble Eightfold Path. The Eightfold Path itself is one of profound interrelationship, a circular process, a circular path. Our practice is an enactment, an embodiment of relationships. What are the small acts of generosity that communicate care, compassion, and respect? It's a relationship to the ancestors. And Dharma transmission is being in relationship to ancestors, past, present, and future. So who are our relations? Who are our ancestors? What do we digest and metabolize through our relationships? What do we touch? What touches us? And how do the teachings of the ancestors apply to this life right here, right now, in this moment? I really intensely experienced the ancestors at the Kaisando. It was very uh, clear. Catherine was there. Coben was there. Suzuki Roshi and Avalokiteshvara. And I could really feel it in my heart. So Dharma transmission is what arises after years of personal relationship, not only with our ancestors, but between a teacher and a student and a karmic relationship that occurs. It's a commitment to the vow to continue the Buddhist teachings. Dharma transmission is also about Buddha nature, the practice of face-to-face -face meeting, fully meeting and being met. It points to the heart, revealing one's nature, Buddha nature. It's entering into relationship with an open heart, an open hand, freeing the self and letting go of a constructed self. So in that process, we are humaning, humaning. I got that word from somebody at hospice who humaning, it 
it's such a perfect word. English is her second language. And she said, we're humaning here. When we are both uniquely authentic ourselves and at the same time not separate, universally expressing what it means to be human, that's humaning. Zazen supports being human, staying close to the breath, staying in the body, not turning away, bearing witness, facing the wall, bearing witness to our suffering and those of others. And in that process, it's coming home. So Dharma transmission is really a new start, another new start. It's deepening an ongoing process of non-separation, providing an authentic presence, responding to the cries of the world. It's an enactment of the Bodhisattva vow with body, with speech and mind. I couldn't believe how much of a body practice the Dharma Transmission Week was for me. Being both stable, or making an effort to be stable, and flowing. So st stability and flowing, working together. Seeing with a compassionate heart and mind and asking what is needed here. Dharma transmission includes taking the precepts. And you, those of you that have had a Jukai or priest ordination or lay entrustment and, and then Dharma transmission, there's the precepts. They're always there to support us. Receiving the precepts is an enactment an embodiment outside of time, an enactment of non-separation. Taking the precepts is vowing to take care of the precepts. And bowing is also an enactment. Honoring our ancestors, going beyond the ancestors, abiding in and preserving the relationship to both the feminine known and unknown and the masculine ancestors. It's definitely a body practice. Practicing with an aspiration of wisdom and compassion to be with, to be present, neither above or below, responding to what arises. Compassion is both personal and impersonal. It's trusting in Buddha nature, allowing for the capacity to hold compassion. Am I ready to meet the moment, meet myself, meet others, to be vulnerable? Compassion arises when fully meeting the situation, recognizing an invitation, responding, and being vulnerable. Compassion arises, intention arises, bodhisattva vows arise, taking a vow to be of service with an intention to respond in a skillful way. There's no other place to be other than right here and now. 
in the midst of the muddy waters and staying vulnerable. Coming full circle, meeting self and others, not separate. Remembering life is a precious gift and giving life to life. So seeing with eyes of the heart, listening closely, staying close to the heart, to relationship, and responding to invitations. Am I prepared for this moment? Meeting the moment is an ongoing process of living into our vows, our bodhisattva vows. So I invite you to keep asking questions, responding to what is right here in front of you. There's no other place to be. Going full circle, reflecting in the words of William Stafford about following the thread. There's a thread you follow. It goes among things that change, but it doesn't change. Nothing you can do stops time unfolding, but you never let go of the thread. That held, that thread held me together. So, um, I have no other words other than dedication and four vows, so I open it up. Questions, comments, thoughts, what arises for you? Richard. Hello, Edie. What a pleasure. Oh. Hi. Hi, Richard. I didn't know it would be you tonight. I just came, but I'm so pleased to see you. Hope you're well. Yes, good to see you. I can hear you. I can't see you, but I can hear you. That's how I live. <laughs> ben. Edie. Can you tell us a little bit about the, your, the history of your relationship with Buddhism when you first attended a Buddhist sitting? And, and oh, no, we don't, we don't have to tell the whole story, but just a little bit about how that unfolded over the course of your life. Well, it started in 1969. I accidentally uh, landed at Tassajara during the summer. I was with a group of international friends and they heard about this hot spring called Tassajara and we went down this windy road and that was in 1969. <laughs> and then I found out, oh, and in addition to a hot spring, there, there's this whole thing happening in Tassajara. There's a Zen center and I was blown away and I kept coming back, coming back, coming back, and then um, finding Coben and Santa Cruz Zen Center in 82. I kept coming back. And then I met Catherine. Uh, I, I didn't, I, ha I was a single mom, I was working, so I didn't have a lot of time to be at Tassajara, but I would be there in the summer for a week or two at a time. 
and I met Catherine there in 89. And she said, oh, and by the way, I'm going to be moving from Tassajara to Santa Cruz. And it started in 89 in Santa Cruz with Catherine until she died in 2012. I kept coming back. So if you just started, uh, keep coming back. That's how it happens. It sinks in. It seeps in after... 30, 40 years. <laughs> Does that answer your question? What brought you there? Uh, I don't feel like answering right now. <laughs> okay. Well, most people show up because they're suffering. I think that was, you know, a more honest answer rather than logistically who, where, when, but um, what brought me to Santa Cruz, what brought me to Buddhism was suffering. Um, please, uh, Charlie. Hi, Edie. Hi, Charlie. Into uh, the thread of time. Over the last year, ending about three months ago, we've been studying being time. And uh, one of the things I got out of there, one, one summary was that the, the self is time. So what do you think about that? That the self is time. It is being time. It, everything, everything um, changed when I read, um, about being time and live, lit, you know, let it sink in. Being time is all about past, present, and future. It's nonlinear time. It's being time. There's no separation. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. It's a different way of living. Yeah, Patrice. Hi, Edie. Nice, nice to see you. Thanks for giving the talk tonight. Uh, you know, there's a there's a, a stanza in uh, Genjo Koan that I, I always think about when I think of Dharma transmission, and I, I'd like to hear your thoughts on it, or you know, it, as it relates to your practice or any other thoughts you have to say about it. But it's when Dogen says. When you first seek Dharma, you imagine you are far away from its environs, but Dharma is already correctly transmitted. You are immediately your original self. I'll take my answer off the air. <laughs> yeah, I think um, it's always there. It's like this jewel you know, Buddha nature, it's always there and caring for and, and um, kind of taking all the parts and pieces and putting them back together, you know, honoring 
those pieces that were missing, those pieces that were not recognized, those, um, I think there is a, a certain confidence and trust, mostly bearing witness and trusting myself over time that really shifted. Yeah. And, you know, I think um, it kind of goes back to the other question, you know, what brought you to, to practice? There's suffering. And at some point, the suffering shifts to wanting to be of service to others and connecting. And um, it's no longer, I need to heal, but it's more about how can I be of service and how can I connect? And, and it's all about relationship, relationship to others, relationship to all living beings, not just people. What are your thoughts, Patrice? Well, I mean, to me, it, it, it's always been a line that's tremendously reassuring to me. It, Dharma is already correctly transmitted. It, it, it sort of, it fits into the idea that no matter our mistakes, no matter what, what, where, what paths we take that we regret, no matter the harm we cause to ourselves or others, there's always sort of an essential shining light of immediate sort of it's that immediately in our original self that our, we're never separate or far from our buddha nature where dharma is always correctly transmitted as you say in every being all throughout the, the universe so it's always been very reassuring to me although somewhat abstract you know because um you turn around and you know no matter where you are in life there's sort of a trail of muddy footprints following you and so you just, you know, you live um, with the mud instead of just trying to clean it up all the time. You're like, yeah, I got some mud. And uh, it's, uh, I don't know, I, I, I think it's, uh, I, I also like the word immediately. Like, you know. It's like a baby when they come into the world. They're so amazing in the nursery, uniquely this baby is uni uniquely this baby, like no other person. Yeah. And, and they're not judging, <laughs> you know, they're, they're just this wonderful being in wholeness already, right out of the first breath, even before the first breath, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and I think what, what the reassurance is that there's knowing there's not knowing and unknowable. Mm -hmm. And we can never know the whole deal. We can never know, you know, what this moment means. And having curiosity really can be reassuring as well. Rather than judging, judging yourself or others. Yeah. Thank you. I saw, uh, Sarah? I saw Ziggy's hand up 
and then Shakti had her hand up, and then Sarah. And okay. Then, please remember that we're we're doing this all on recording. If you don't want to be recorded, um, please let me know. I'll pass on to Sarah. Oh, thank you, Ziggy. I'll just I just had a quick comment on um, you were talking about suffering and like wanting to receive help and then how there's this shift and instead you know the shift of wanting to be of service um i think that's really true but what i've learned in in things that have happened is that the su the suffering hasn't gone away it's it's there and but i find that being of service that it's it's like a two-way thing because when you're of service and connecting with other people and deeply listening to them it enables them to connect with you and deeply listen to you and it's something that we are doing together that helps everyone that you know i feel like there's no separation between the person who's giving and the person who's receiving it's we're all just there listening and being present for each other and that is what helps to relieve the suffering yes thank you it is a gift and and when it goes both ways you really know it right it's an experience and and you know it that it's not one way or the other it's really it becomes a gift and and that's the quality of being human I think that's, you know, all that effort, um, effortless, effortless effort to be human. That's what really supports us. Thank you. And who is next, Ziggy or Shakti? Shakti. Shakti. Yeah, actually, this is a good follow up to that because um, I was thinking about suffering um heaving a little louder um the suffering is what was a doorway for me in many ways to uncovering that essence of kind of what we're talking about with our the true nature and um so suffering as you say it's like this is part of being human. And I think Buddhism is really so forthright about it. And that, you know, that's the first of the four noble truths. And, and I think that, um, oh my God, this is taking a little visiting right. hour here. Um, anyways, I just, um, I appreciated what you were saying and that, I really do feel like suffering is is a doorway, and it from that from suffering I've learned so much. It has taught me. It is like the great teacher, and I think you know maybe I don't know what you think, but maybe that's why it's so such an important part of the practice and. Certainly, like you said, it's a doorway for people who are suffering. They go, oh, wow, here's a practice where they just acknowledge what I'm going through first off. 
this must be the right thing for me. I don't know. What do you, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I, th I think what you're pointing to is uh, the importance of being seen, being heard, being seen, being acknowledged, being recognized. And that's the fully meeting and being met. I, I experienced with Catherine um, like I hadn't experienced it before. And she said she experienced it with Suzuki Roshi. So that's fully meeting and being met and, and it it's just uh, truly a gift. Going back to what Sarah was saying about you know when that happens. You know when there's a meeting that really happens. You know, it goes both ways. So that's the gift of you know, sharing your suffering and sharing, and then sharing your joys. Mm -hmm. There's an, there's another side the, to suffering. There's another side to grief and pain, which is gratitude, grief and gratitude. Going back and forth, that happens. Yeah. If you open, if you can open to it. Yeah, thank you. And, and Ziggy, and then Liz, and then Corrine. <laughs> My question was actually addressed, Edie. It had so much to do with, um, you repeated it so many times, it really stayed with me, what is known, what is not known, and what is unknowable. And I think Patrice touched on it a little bit, which is um, that which is unknowable is known in some way that we can't articulate. It is this essence of what is already. Uh, I think we we try to cognitively go after something when it, it can't be known cognitively. It can only be known in the heart. And that's the that's the full meeting and the light that I that I feel. And I just think it's sort of an an amazing mystery that in a great short time my daughter is going to be walking in your front door. <laughs> And I think that is just like uh, one of those most amazing things about that thread that you spoke of. And I just wanted to say that out loud um, and and offer gratitude publicly to you to be um, in my life in that way. Thank you. I'm looking forward to seeing Erin. She's due here pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, I think the unknowable, the mystery, um, I felt like that at, at the Kaisando, there was something much farther, broader than just me at the Kaisando offering incense. I could feel it. And that, that was the unknowable. I don't, I don't know what, there was no boundary about that. Yeah. Oh, Liz, thank you. Thank you for your talk, Edie. And um, it's nice to hear you talk about that little three-foot span of the Kaisando being kind of boundless. <laughs> I really feel that. Um, I feel like uh, uh, just your talking about the ceremony is a real um, 
as a as a gift to all of us as well as your uh completion of the ceremony and kind of like uh even though there's no attainment i feel like there was a fruit that was manifested um that all the parts of the plant trickled into this fruit that ripened and it's <laughs> wonderful um uh and i uh really i heard uh one thing that kind of uh stayed with me as as you um were giving the talk tonight was uh, a number of times you said the effort to kind of be available so uh, is that like a coming back to the present coming back to um not knowing what's being asked just anyway i felt it from you i felt it from you and all your movements around the zen center campus thank you so much well you know it was a surprise um during that week that it it wasn't just patrick and i doing something it it was the whole community and i didn't i didn't anticipate that that was just deep gratitude and it was really amazing. I thank you so much. Yeah. And Corrine. Thank you, Reedy. Your words felt like I have been there. Um, in my sittings a number of times and yet they have the quality of a sudden summer shower. I don't know if you've experienced that warm summer shower that is a surprise, a delight, envelops you, refreshes you cleanses you, fills your senses with the, the smells. And it's like for the first time. And you know, every time you experience it again, it's going to be like the first time. Yes. Yes. So this is a, a very fertile and available place to go. And thanks for taking us there. We're doing it all together. You speak so eloquently, Corrine. We're doing it all together. It's not, it's not separate. Yeah. yeah. Oh, is that Stan or Joyce? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Good to see you, Edie. Yes, it is. <laughs> you know, we each have a thread that has taken us the distance of our lives. Yes. And I'm just so pleased to just feel that thread going through you yes. once again and mm -hmm. connecting. Sometimes <clears throat> the thread can be as tough as, say, dental floss, <laughs> or it could be as, as uh, tough as and thick as a rope. And so <laughs> this thread that you speak of, yes. uh, just really feel the connection with, with uh, the Zen Center. But, but for those days, 
our thread ran through you. We yeah, are so, so grateful. So grateful. Yeah. And Catherine came to to um, our, our our sangha in Modesto, <laughs> and we really enjoyed having her. And <laughs> oh, lovely! Such an inspiration. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As are you, Evie. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, when I look around the screen, there's so many connections, so many threads that keep entwining, keep going. I'm not sure who Michael is. Is is that a Michael I know? I don't see which Michael that might be, but just the name. It's Michael Bashista. Ah, Michael Bashista. <laughs> I see you. There you are. Oh, you need your sound, though. No sound, Michael. Oh, well. <laughs> it's good to see you, Michael. Any other thoughts, comments? It's so good to see GD and Rosie and Brian. Ah, lovely. One more comment from um, Richard. Oh, Richard, yes. Just that your talk and, and uh, brings to mind the word intimacy, which uh, is my, what I think my favorite Dogen saying which is intimacy is the heart of zen and most intimate is not knowing and i love that word intimacy because i think that's what you bring and that's what you're talking about boundless not knowing <laughs> thank you well should we move to the dedication yes yeah. okay okay May the merit of our connection and time together support truth and wholesomeness. May we continue to hear the cries of the world so that all beings may find relief from suffering, creating a space for the transformation of suffering into healing. Beings are numberless, I vow to save them. Delusions are inexhaustible, I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless, I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable. I vow to become it.